and welcome to Unscripted Equity Curiosity. My name is Ami Joseph. I'm the sector head for tech at Hedgeye. I've got Andrew uh, Friedman with me, sector head for communications at Hedgeye, and Felix Wong, sector head for China at Hedgeye with me today, uh, as always. So it's got the three of us today. We're going to um, have a conversation, as we always do, about um, either events or topics or trends or themes or challenges or opportunities or risks uh, around equities that cover our space, which is broadly speaking, TMT globally, including China and, uh, and other sectors in China outside of TMT as well, as we've done a bunch of different times. Today's episode is season two, episode five. Everything that we are saying is available on Spotify and Apple um, and also is available free on the Hedgehog website um, if you need to access any of that. So today's topic, I think, is probably uh, pretty um, uh, straightforward, and that's because we're all uh, struggling with our thoughts about Russia and the Ukraine and everything that's happening and trying to uh, put it in a investment context, especially because the world is in a shoot first, uh, sorry for that analogy, but shoot first and ask questions later mode when it comes to stocks. And that affects everybody's bottom line. Some of those things will be lasting and some of them will be ephemeral. And it's important to start to think about those things, sadly, in this, uh, in this environment. It's a tough, tough thing to think about, but we're going to take it head on. And so today, um, I'm going to kick the ball over to Andrew's court for a second and say, Andrew, when, we st- when I think about the exposure in your sector, I mean, as obviously there's been some big headlines and mm-hmm. highlights um, I don't know if Google has made a headline yet. I can't remember, but I know Netflix has and others. I don't know if TikTok will make a headline there. I yeah, think no, they did t- actually. TikTok yeah. has, yeah, TikTok so, has, Google has. So maybe, maybe take us through some of like the high level, like kind of like what's what's happened in your sector relative to Russia, Ukraine. Um, where what's what's sort of like the fakery of it and what's like the real the meat? Like where's there is there any meat to any of this stuff that's mm-hmm. happening? Um, take us through some yeah. of that and then I'm going to toss it, I'm going to take it and then I'll toss it over to Felix after that. Yeah. And look, I just, you kind of alluded to it at the beginning, but I just want to say like, please, nobody take offense or, you know, if I come off as being insensitive, you know, obviously this is a humanitarian crisis. It's awful. It's a tragedy what's going on. I don't want to discount that in any way, but I'll probably talk about this in a fairly objective manner and tone. Um, so just please just bear with us as, we kind of talk about what's a really difficult topic in the context of investing and economic impact and, you know, how to risk manage and, you know, make money in in this situation or not lose money rather uh, preserve capital. So I just want to say that off the bat, because I know it's a hop, it's a sensitive issue for a whole host of reasons, but um, look, I I think it's in my, the longer this goes on, um, the long, the greater the impact, right? Um, it's one thing if you have kind of a quick geopolitical flash or an event and then it, it goes away and we can just move on. Um, the fact that this is dominating the headlines and uh, permeating kind of everyone, everyone's you know, thought process across the globe, you know, it has, I think it has implications um, for the consumer. Um, be and, and that's kind of more second order like the first order i guess we could talk about a first order second order effects the first order effects are kind of like the most obvious right like okay you know google pulling ads out of russia facebook pulling 
at, you know, Facebook getting blocked in Russia, Twitter getting blocked in Russia, Snapchat cutting ads in Russia, Netflix pulling out of Russia, right? And then you could easily say, all right, well, how many subscribers does Netflix have in Russia? You know, the ruble's already collapsed. Um, so like, what is really the direct financial impact? And I think the answer is, you know, minimal. I think I would say it's probably for most companies, maybe I'm for maybe like Microsoft or some of these larger, bigger tech companies, maybe it's a little bit greater, but in my space, it's, it's for the most part, it's, it's pretty minimal, but I think the issue here is like the second and third order effects. Um, and that's for advertising, which is kind of the lifeblood of my space in many ways, especially for these global internet companies. Uh, is like, what does this do to, um, you know, consumption in Europe? Uh, does this, do we go, do, does this bring forward or pull forward a global recession? Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, consumer sentiment metrics, I'm sure are going to take a nosedive. Um, you know, the European stock market's been crashing every single day. It seems very reminiscent of the depths of COVID. I was looking at earlier the Euro stocks 50 VIX index is pushing the push 60 this morning, which is higher or on you know it's basically on par with where it's been in um, historical periods of you know crises. Um, it wasn't as high as COVID, but it was definitely definitely getting up there. Um, and so I think the knock-on effects are going to be very real, um, and that's going to hurt advertising. Um, and it's also coming at a time where we're also, we talked a lot about like coming off of what was a pretty juicy demand environment, stimulus driven, that's not there. And then I think the commodity impact is something that's going to be really significant because the low end to mid and like the low to mid consumer in terms of the income spectrum was already kind of tapped out. Uh, and you know, benefited a lot from. Hey, Andrew, I'm sorry. Um, you 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 cut out there for a second. If oh. you don't mind just restating that. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, which what did you hear last? I apologize. Um, it was before right the sentence before the low end. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say like the, I was saying the low end. Um, we were already coming off of like a stimulus overhang, right? Um, inflation was already a big issue, um, and the low to mid the low end consumer. Uh, to the average is, you know, gets hurt most by this rise in commodity prices, um, rise of gas prices, wheat going up. So that's just going to further erode discretionary income, uh, discretionary, sorry, discretionary purchasing power, um, real purchasing power. And that's going to exacerbate kind of the downward, exacerbate the headwinds that we've already seen in consumption, which is going to impact advertising. And then on brand advertising, um, too, when you have um, such awful uh, content being displayed all over social media channels, brands like Nike or Ben and Jerry's or whatever, Patagonia, you name it, like very brand oriented uh, companies um, don't, will we'll pull their, will pull advertising, right? Because they just don't want to have their image associated with that. And so in many ways, it feels very similar to kind of where we were going into COVID, where it was, everyone was saying like, look, it's just this virus, what's the big impact going to be? But really the impact wasn't necessarily the virus itself, but the response to the virus, right? All these second and third order effects. And as we know how recessions occur, 
is you throw a wrench in the system, you have some type of catalyst that has then quickly spirals and, you know, it just causes a slow motion car wreck, like a slow motion train wreck almost. And that's what this seems like is happening. There's probably a lot more risk out there than people appreciate or can even think about that I can, that we can even think about. So that's probably driving some more risk off behavior, you know, in the markets over the last week. Um, you know, it's, it's tough, right? Cause we don't know how this settles out. And it's also, you know, is this going to be met by, you know, an easier federal reserve, you know, reversal of these rate hikes or, or, or maybe, you know, the return of fiscal stimulus. I, I, I have no idea. Right. But it's, what's harder is that, you know, we've already coming off of such a huge response, um, out of COVID from on the government from, from governments across the world that it's hard to see how we have the similar response in terms of magnitude. Um, and then there's obviously the humanitarian issue crisis with refugees. Uh, it's just, it's just a mess. Right. And as an investor, it's really tough because you're trying to value companies based off of what you think their future cash flows are, the future fundamental performances. And then when you have these periods of uncertainty, it just makes it really difficult to really understand like what that could be, um, especially for more of these companies that are more cyclical. So to your point on, yeah, people tend to kind of just cut bait and run and then revisit it later. It's probably, you know, those usually, those periods of illiquidity usually create tremendous opportunity if you can step up to the plate and be a source of liquidity, right? Um, which is why I think it's important to, you know, maintain solvency and just be ready. But I think it's also, it's, by the way, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's, okay. one, it's also one of the hardest things. I remember that um, in like, I think it was like a, a November of 2008, um, I was um, at Fidelity and the market was going down massively. Uh, every single day. And, um, you know, Fidelity is a long only amazing place and, and can't say enough good things, but it's a long only. So you're, you're exposed to these things and um, markets like just dropping like crazy. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of like a, a tough thing. And I remember um, hanging out with some friends on the weekend and I was just like in a totally somber mood um, mm -hmm. and everyone's like, you know, this is the best time to buy. And I said to them, I knew they were right, but my, you know, of course, like from the outside, but my, but my, because none of them were investors, right. But they were all, you know, they had like regular jobs, main street. Right. Um, but my reaction was emotional. Like I felt my reaction, uh, to be emotional. I noticed it in the moment. I was like, I was like, how can you do that when the market's going down like five or ten percent per day? I'm like, we may, you know, we made it with the barter system, whatever. I had like, you know, one of those reactions. Um, and I think that's it's 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 an important thing, like to remember that those of us in the investment world and who are like obviously watching our investments every day, every minute to minute, even to some degree, those of us who are professionals have it open all day long. Um, that you know, for for the regular world. A couple of months, two three months, is a very short window um, of pain, where for gain in exchange for like a lifetime of retirement gain, right? And savings and all that kind of stuff. Whereas for us, it's like two three months is an eternity of staring at these. Well, things. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you get cut in half, right, in two three months, like if you go down 20, 30 percent, it's possible, of course, right? Be before you bottom, of like course. it's like, what do you do with that? Like, I mean, and it's so yeah, it is.
it is really difficult. And, you know, I think it was easier to think about like calling the turn. It's amazing how markets work and just how like things evolve, you know, right? Like so many bad things happen in quad four. It's ridiculous. But like, you know, back in January, February, like, you know, like Russia was concerned, but the market's really, really concerned about it. Now it's like, all right, we have this, this, this global crisis on top of like already very difficult economic comparisons and, and a slowdown with global, with central banks across the world tightening. And it's just, it's just, it just makes you freeze, right? Because when you have to put capital work, it's just really hard. So it's, I, so I, yeah, I mean, and so I'm just sitting here just trying to figure out like what to do. And it's just like our shorts keep working. Our longs are kind of outperforming. I keep wanting to just flip the switch and go long and cover everything. But then I'm like, well, we're not there yet. It doesn't seem like we're there yet. Um, and, you know, it, so, and it's like, all right, you know, like Bumble's down seven and a half percent today. Yeah. I mean, they have talk about second order effects. I mean, like 130 of, I think their 300 to 400, you know, engineers are, are located in Russia. Like that's not good. Like the online dating has exposure to Eastern Europe, generally speaking. Um, but there's just a lot of different things that we have to consider. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm confident that eventually price will get to a point and volatility will get to a point where like it always does, where you have a capitulation event and that's like overshoots to the downside and that's the time to turn it. Um, but it's just been, you know, but, but you could try to make that call several times already and it wouldn't have worked out for you. So anyway, I don't, I can throw it back to you. I, mean, I don't mean to like drone on. It's just very, it's very difficult to figure out exactly what the exposures are you know, for me, there's a lot of companies presenting this week, um, you know, so it's going to be important to listen to what they say. At the same time, like, you know, there's no shortage of US focused companies like telco, like telecom, that, you know, aren't really going to have that much of an impact, right? They're more exposed domestically. Um, now, I think domestically, you probably still have an issue from consumer sentiment standpoint for all these reasons. But you're going to have less exposure than you would to, to Europe and especially to any type of FX moves. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, trying to catch falling knife is difficult. So, so is there, is there a single company in your space that you think is a big loser from all this? And is there possibly been like a single company in your space that somehow benefits from all this? I mean, I'm thinking about how um, the world is really, locked in and honed in on on news right now right so the the news flow the news mm. is getting a boost in terms of you know ad relevance and things like that so i don't i don't, I don't know yeah if there's like a- it's yeah i mean twitter look twitter social media probably sees a pickup twitter so we already talked about this last week on the call like twitter seeing a pickup in dau is like a 20 percent increase compared to the pre-russia invasion baseline right so they're seeing a spike in engagement um, that is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because you have these, when you have spikes of engagement in periods of like this, like, like advertisers go away. <laughs> so CPMs drop now. I mean, if you can retain those users and that growth, that's great on the back end, right? Assuming advertising comes back, but typically you don't really see, um, you know, it, 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 it depends, right? Like the stocks don't necessarily always react that way until you, until you come out the other side. Um, and then advertising is always to that same tune, like news, New York times, uh, um, sky, like tell, you know, 
Fox, uh, Comcast with NBC. Like, I'm sure their ratings are going through the roof right now. I mean, I know I've watched more. I mean, I, I subscribe. I left, fired up my Hulu with live TV subscription for the first time in a while. And I've been, you know, consuming a ton of news that historically I haven't had. It's, oh, it's very similar to how much I consumed in around the period of COVID, right? Um, so I'm sure their ratings are going through the roof. Um, but again, it's, uh, you know, Applebee's doesn't want their, you know, commercial being shown in, in a picture, picture with Ukraine, with CNN's war coverage of, you know, with Ukraine and Russia, right? Right. So it's like, like people so, are dying and let's go to Applebee's. Yeah, yeah, it's a mixed message. And then like brands typically have to go back and then they have to say, all right, well, they have to recraft their messaging, right? Like solidarity, you know, be more humble, be more sensitive, right? So then you have to go back and change all your creatives in that period of time where you go back and create all your create change all your creatives <clears throat> can take, you know, two to two to three weeks to, yeah. to get that all done. So it's um it's a really it's a really tough environment. And so I don't me, think yeah. Let yeah. me let me turn that for a second uh back on you for a second. Um just just even outside of this like it, you know, because because advertising trends, you know, you see they they get bulky, right? So like, I, I want to take this outside of the war contest for context for a second, but um, like you know, you can you can I, I always use Super Bowls as a litmus test. For example, like this Super Bowl, you had a lot of crypto um, advertising, which is obviously I, I think very ephemeral. It disappears. It will come back in ten years or twenty years or whatever it is, but. But in the, um, the, you know, it's like, like when pets.com, when you, we, we keep having, you know, every, you can see what the hot new thing is that will go away whenever there's something like that. But the insurance companies um, have grown and grown and grown as a share of, like, as a share, as a view, I'm just saying as a viewer, I'm not looking at the numbers, but as a, as a viewer, looking at the number of insurance companies, I was, my, my children always comment on it, by the way, also like noticing that whatever they're doing, the insurance companies are the big app, they're always asking about this life insurance, things like that. I'm wondering like, like what is the thing that undermines the insurance companies that uh, makes them stop advertising? Or I don't know. I don't know how you see that. If you see like. No, I mean, like, it's usually, it's usually the cyclicals, right? Like, I mean, like if, it's like, it's all, every major sector advertises, right? Um, you know, like healthcare is more is less sensitive, right? For especially in pharmaceuticals, insurance is a little bit more durable, right? Uh, retail is a big important part of it, right? But retail tends to be more cyclical. You know, restaurants tends to be a little bit more cyclical, right? Um, you know, Howard Penny was talking about it on the call this morning, right? Rising oil prices is going to be bad for you know restaurant demand, which means that you know restaurants may decide to pull back a little bit on advertising in response to that. If the demand's not there, then they're not getting the ROI. So it's not like all everyone pulls back. I mean, some people lean in, right? Like if, you know, if you're, <laughs> you know, I've just been like researching so much about like what's going on in like Russia, Ukraine, and, you know, I'm getting like ads fed to me everywhere for like emergency food supplies, right? And so there's obviously companies that lean in and there's companies that lean out, Um you know, it just depends on what your exposures are, right? We saw that with co during COVID, there were certain, you know, stay at home did really, really well. Others, you know, out of home got hit. So it's all cyclical. Some will do better than others. Um, but, you know, net net, if it, it's still negative, right? Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's the, the cyclical swings are not enough. Like the, 
the stable defensive sticky advertising dollars are not, um, you know, the, that like the, the cyclical, the cyclical names will offset, right? Like, sorry, the defensive, the change in the defensive advertising growth dollars won't be enough to offset the cyclical component typically. Right. And yeah, like Bitcoin, crypto, sports betting is huge. There's always some type of like fast money fad, right? Like VC funding to try to like grow your direct to consumer business. It's just kind of how it works. Um, but it's, you know, a recession generally isn't good. And retail, like I said, is a huge component of this. And that's what's going to be probably taking the brunt of it, especially with rising, uh, you know, food and energy prices. That's going to hurt the consumer the most, which is going to be bad for um, any type of low end. It's going to be bad for advertising. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think when it comes to like Russia, Ukraine, um, there are definitely like supply chain implications across tech. Um, there's been a lot of software creation out of Ukraine for the last number of years. It's like a growing important center of technology. And my first thought is a lot of that will transfer to like Warsaw, for example. I mean, some of it gets destroyed sadly, but uh, uh, Warsaw also has a strong um, software development center. And so it, it naturally is in a position to absorb and benefit from like the kind of like the outflow from the Ukraine, sadly. Um, so I think that's, that's one of those things that I, I've been trying to think about a little bit as well, like who's in position to benefit and um, which countries get uh, development get strengthens uh, significantly from this. What about semiconductors, Ami? Like what, yeah, like I what, think, yeah. yeah, I mean, like this, none of like the major supply chain puzzle pieces run through Ukraine and, and Russia from a, like a fab to assembly test, you know, to shipment perspective. The, neither country is a massive demand um, category for, for any single um, computing um, device or manufacturer. They are noticeable, like meaning like, you know, there's, there's a percent or there's a 2% or here or there, but like there's nothing um, out of bounds massive. I think, um, so I think like, I, I think the demand, the, I, I think the bigger implication is that if if you're right about I, I think I, I think that we're we were the reason why uh, sorry guys tongue twisted a little bit here as That's I think right. through it yeah, but, but but when when um when after after the bubble burst in 2001 um it got a lot worse on after 9-11 um, and 9-11 was, was terrible and awful in so many ways, but it was like that sort of grenade being thrown on top of like a denouement that was already happening. And I hate to put it in those terms. It's too, ugh, it's too raw and ugly, but like um, just economically speaking in terms of the bits and the bites and how they move, having a war like this, at the end of a beautiful and long cycle, but where you've reached the end of some of the climatic elements of that cycle. Like for example, just, a, just an example, um, I'm gonna go off topic here off of Russia, but the um, cloud 
computing um, is driven uh, architecturally by its simplicity and so on and many other things, but also by its elasticity. And when you look at, uh, bear with me guys, I'll come back to all this, but like when you look at cloud computing, the three tenets that it starts with are, are basically abstracting your usage of, of um, computing, of networking, and of storage. And from the beginning, AWS, the, the founder of this movement, or like the pioneer, or, or not the founder, but like kind of like the, the prime mover, um, they took the storage side of this, the storage, you know, third, call it, and they were like, we are going to, this is where we're going to push Moore's law all the way. And we're going to take, you know, storage per terabyte or per byte prices down on a regular basis over the next, you know, whatever decades, and we'll continue to commoditize this. And it will drive um, increasing elasticity and it will make our customers, our enterprise customers feel like, oh, we got to put our data here. It's the cheapest, best place to have our data. Once our data is there, we're going to do computing. We're going to obviously have to do egress. That's networking. We're going to have, or maybe we'll buy some additional services on top. And so there was the, that was the sort of the creation of the cloud. At this point, storage prices in the cloud are so freaking cheap that reducing them more, like if you have a $10,000 monthly bill from AWS, and your storage cost is I don't know, 70 bucks. If they take your storage cost from 70 to 68.50, it doesn't change, it doesn't change the consumption, right? I'm, I'm, I'm probably over-exaggerating the, the relative basis of, of, of mix of what you're paying for at AWS, but I'm giving an example of like kind of like an elastic point that is sort of like at the end or a, hitting a wall. And so in this case, um, you need AWS. It's at, at, at this at this point, it's like we start to hear a lot more about cloud, cloud being kind of expensive and people, you know, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you see a lot of software IPOs where the next generation software companies like the Confluence and the Hashis, et cetera, have a, a, a minority of their revenues tied to cloud product, a growing portion, but minority as opposed to leading. And I would have never thought that would have happened um, when looking, you know, kind of number of years ago, looking forward. And so my point is that maybe like one massive cycle was sort of at its natural endpoint. It doesn't mean AWS could, by the way, do the same thing with computing or networking over the next you know, 20 years. And, they, and, they, they, and Cloudflare sort of doing that in the networking area. So like um, there are elements of this that can easily continue. Um, but my point is that, coming back to the point here, that we were sort of anyway at this, at this, at this juncture where the world potentially needs another next leg of elasticity to drive the feature function um, cadence of Moore's law that is required to, to generate that, that elastic demand and application growth. And, um, and so anyway, we were at a slowdown point. Okay, here's now all ties down to this. And then we have a we have a, a really easy setup in terms of the bear case coming out of 2021, looking into 2022, which we pointed out on our themes deck starting in September that the estimates were going to get cut. Um, uh, for those who, who are subscribers, you've seen this in September, our September our September themes deck, our December themes deck, uh, the one we updated uh, recently as well. So so um, the estimates have to get cut, and not because of demand, but because just of comparisons. And uh, the comparisons also would have a multiple effect. So now you have, you have those two things and then throw on top of that, 
a Russia-Ukraine war where you're going to have all the things you mentioned, Andrew, which is sentiment, budget cutting, uh, headcount reductions for the first time in a long time. Like you haven't seen that broad based in a very long time. And, and, and you know, kind of like that'll have a fall on effect. Like, for example, seat based demand in tech will be hard. Like anyone who pays, but use licensing models based on seats will be difficult and we will be challenged. Um, elastic function models that gen generate like upside demand that way, those are the ones to own, even though they're going down 8% per day, because those ones will come back like roar and will dominate and will have a fantastic next 10 years. But, but, you know, most, this yeah. is going to be tough. And then if you look at, if you look at um, 2008, I'm sorry, I'm going on and on here, but if you look at 2008 um, in November of 2008, I was mentioning about that fidelity, by the way, and like going back to that story here for one second, um, is that I, I may have told the story on, on the, on the, um, this podcast before. So Andrew cut me off if I've told it, but like in the deepest, darkest point of 2008, um, we, we have fidelity got a bunch of uh, the, all of us, all of us investment professionals together in a room. It was like 180 people or something and put on the stage, the four, the four horsemen of fidelity, right? Like this is like the four greatest portfolio managers, uh, ever, uh, at fidelity. And it's very and and literally put them on the spot. Like, what are you doing right now? And um, there were definitely conservatism. There was this, this, there was that. A little bit of optimism from one. And then Peter Lynch spoke, the greatest of them all. And Peter Lynch spoke, and he said, he said he spoke last, and he said, "I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm doing the opposite of everybody in this room." He said, "I am buying the the uh, massive net debt." companies like debt to leverage, like, you know, trading like 99% leverage or whatever it was. He said, I can't remember the phrase he said exactly. He said, basically where you're buying, like, like you know, the value is all in the debt and there's 1% equity. He's like, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't know if the market's going to bottom today or tomorrow, next week, three months from now. He's like, I don't know. He's like this, that's what I'm doing. And, um, and he was absolutely like geniusly right. Incredibly right. Like I just, I look at it across my space, any space, whatever. But part of what made that the right call at that point was that it that didn't really work in 2001 trough because the, 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 the unraveling of the bubble of the good times, in addition to the wars and so on and so forth that came afterwards, made that ensuing period kind of like a working it through period. And yes, you've made money if you bought an 01 and sold an 03, but like you were right back there at the bottom in 2008, right? Like you, you didn't, if you were just a long-term holder, you didn't necessarily make money. You were, you were incentivized to be a trader, which is why in the bottom of 2008, people were selling everything. So, um, so anyway, so that's kind of like the context here and why maybe like, I don't know, like you said, trying to step in, not always the right call. And you can see, even just look at the S and P, like it's not on a long-term basis, the S and P isn't down much. No, um, it corrected like 10% or like, yeah, 10%. It's not down much. I mean, like, yeah, I think it's probably because the bond market isn't indicating a massive recession <clears throat> right now. All the, high, I mean, high yield spreads have definitely blown out. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it's also the, the index composition too, right? Like it's so much, it's, it's become so heavily weighted to tech and like Apple, Microsoft, like Amazon. These are, you know, these names, they're just not correcting as much. Because obviously if you look at like the median weighted index or like the average stock decline, it's down much more. I guess, I guess there's two things I would just say on me to what you said. It's just one like clarification. Actually, I don't think that we're probably going to see, like, I mean, I don't, this is my personal opinion. I don't think we're going to see, Headcount reductions. I think 
um, which is actually makes it the situation worse uh, because I think, you know, we, we probably, I mean, absent, I don't know, absence. I mean, there's just so much demand for labor, right. That we, I think we'd have to see such a huge demand shock or some other type of shock to cause companies to actually go out and fire people. Um, you know, I think, and so that actually is a makes all cycle. All cycles always different, right? This cycle could be a little bit different in that. This like, is this is let's let's make a reminder here that me and you are on the opposite side of this this equation. I think the Peloton thing is the shot across the bow. I think it's coming across the board. Oh, I think companies, I, I, I think yeah. companies will be slow, by the way, to do this because they'll because their boards will be like, oh, we can't do this. We got to hold on to to think about how much money we spent to hire all these people and how hard it yeah. was to find them. And I think like eventually that'll give way to like. I think I think I think it'll be I think it'll be some like I mean Peloton I think is a different situation like different management teams but like I mean at least from what I'm seeing there's just so much demand for labor I mean so I I don't know I'm not sure I I mean so we'll see I think it I think that demand goes away with like I think people start to get more concerned boards start to get more conservative and I think any company who benefited in the last three years from any momentum overhired. And especially companies who are worried whose boards discuss the shortage of labor and blah, 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 bullshit, timely stuff, quad, yeah. you know, quad two stuff. And now it's quad four to speak like Keith for a second. Like, yeah, I mean, which is just fucking genius. Um, but like, yeah, you know, no, com- company, often- yeah, companies, they, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm also seeing a lot of companies too, like, you know, that are have like stronger companies that are like longer secular drivers that, you know, they, couldn't hire right enough because of the COVID environment, because of where extended unemployment benefits. And so now they're, you know, they've had all this pull forward of demand and now you have the opposite where they're now that they have to hire back up to kind of meet this higher level demand and support growth. Now, maybe, you know, that's obviously happening right as growth is slowing. So maybe they, they slower the rate of growth. I don't know, but like, you know, like Facebook, Google, Roku, a lot of companies in my space, at least, you know, the reason why they gave such poor profit guidance was because they had to hire back up to grow their sales force. Now, whether or not they did that based on a demand environment that is not durable is probably likely. So maybe you're right. And we'll see some type of reversion there. But um, I don't know, we'll see. And then the only other thing I would say, Ami, is, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I kind of like, like, I, I cover Sirius, they're exposed to the auto industry, Auto is also like a really big brand advertiser. So I'm kind of always kind of tuned into like what's going on there. And there's been a lot of chip shortages. And I don't know if you've done any work here. No, but like I was reading on something about like Ukraine's like 90% of all neon gas. That's like semiconductor grade. Um, And like neon gas is like a key input in terms of like lasers to make semiconductors. I have no idea. Like I'm just. It's just something uh, I read it in a couple places. Oh, so look that's into why I'm it. asking you. Yeah. No, so I don't know. I, yeah. Like, and then like, I know people are freaking out. Like if China goes after Taiwan, like what happens to Taiwan semi, like, you know, it's just, uh, but that's, that's I, the I, issue, I, right? Yeah, there's there's so think... many, un- there's so many unknowns, right? Like things can just like, you know, you could just, yeah, you just get hit upside the head by some, you know, negative surprise. China, um, Taiwan is like a whole, that's a whole podcast we should do with Felix and, and maybe yeah. uh, maybe bring in somebody. We could maybe bring in somebody who's a supply chain expert at some point and go through all of that. Yeah, because um, I like with Roku, I remember like it was crazy, like because I've done a lot of work on the TV supply chain because of and LED panels because of Roku. And like, I remember like, I mean, some, beyond semiconductors, like one of the big issues 
for, for the TV OEMs coming out of COVID, it was actually the cardboard supply. Like there wasn't an issue coming out of COVID with semiconductors or anything else, but it was the fact that like the, the main supplier for cardboard was like cut off or something. It came from like one location. And then because of that, they weren't able to ship things out. Mm. So that's why I'm thinking like this whole commodity thing, right? With there's like worse, precious, precious metals, nickel. I don't know what the key components are, you know, that go into like semiconductors, but like for autos, right? Like with metals, like palladium, who knows? I'm just... I, I can't really tie the dots. I don't know enough about it, but yeah, it just seems like there's going to be, there has to be some type of like second or third order effects here that are going to trickle down and potentially have some big negative surprises somewhere as we kind of go through the next, you know, couple months, like any, any type of crisis, right? Like, you know, that crisis, it's, uh, there's always something. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Felix, I'm sorry we didn't get to you, but, uh, Andrew and I filled the airs airwaves, so I'll have to get yeah. to you on the next one. No worries, uh, I'll talk next time. Yeah, because China has a lot of interesting role here with Russia, Ukraine, and the opportunity to play. And then we can also maybe shift over to China, Taiwan. Well, all right, everyone. This has been um season two, episode five. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of a depressing uh one about Russia, Ukraine, but sometimes you just gotta face the bad news, you gotta take it on the chin, you gotta think about it. Uh, think about your exposures. Think about how it reflects your your overall view of markets, of people, of psychology, of opportunity. Um, and um, and this is one one of those moments that I think we'll look back to. Have yeah. a great uh, enjoy your days, and uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll see you on the next one. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.